Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. We're heading into the divisional rounds of the NFL playoffs this season. I've got some more DFS best play options for you. But before we get to that, let me first share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders, the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love like DVOA and DYAR. Those metrics are used by teams and they make great tools for fantasy players as well. So get the most out of your DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off on all of Football Outsiders tools and statistics. The show is also brought to you by Edge Sports, trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion-dollar betting syndicates. Only Edge Sports offers a fully customizable probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread and over-under projections. Find your edge today with promo code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide there. That's code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide on Edge Sports packages, EDJ Sports. I decided to go game by game rather than position by position this week. You know, might as well keep things fresh for myself, keep it a little interesting. But I wanted to do that too, to talk a little bit about the weather in each game and talk about some some stacking opportunities and things that maybe make a little bit more sense in different DFS type games, tournament settings, etc. So I'll start with Rams and Packers, where the forecast is 33 degrees with moderate wind. I mean, really, it could be a lot worse for the Packers and Green Bay. Uh, this game also isn't at night, so it probably won't cool off as much as some of the other games will. Uh, to me, the most interesting side of this is the Rams side. Jared Goff has been named the starter, and John Walford has already been ruled out. In the projections, Goff comes out, out as a nice value, 700 surplus in DraftKings, 450 at FanDuel. And then Robert Woods and Cooper Cup come out as even bigger surpluses, 1250 and 1150 respectively in DraftKings, 650 and 600 in FanDuel. And what I would generally say about that is that my projections don't know that Goff may be playing hurt. Uh, for the season, Goff averaged seven yards per attempt, while Walf- uh, Walford in just his one start, 6.1. And possibly more importantly, Goff averaged 3.4 carries per game, while Walford averaged 6.0. So you're seeing both probably an expected increase in passing efficiency and a higher projected pass percentage that's boosting all three players. And I think that actually does lead to an interesting stacking opportunity Goff has said all the right things about how he really wanted to play last week, but this week he feels ready to play, and then his thumb is more be- is improved after being surgically healed with uh, some screws and such. So I think you can kind of take that risk if you want. You could roll with a number of passing options for the Rams. The Packers are 15th in pass defense, similar to what they are in run defense, 18th in DVOA there. But, you know, vulnerable in both respects. If the, if the Packers build a lead, then Goff likely will have to throw the ball extensively. Um, although that really won't be the Rams' game plan, I'm sure. They'll probably try to play it like they played the Seahawks last week, relying on defense in the running game. Uh, I'll get to that running game in a second, but I will mention that Tyler Higby, I see, is a pretty decent value at tight end, in particular in DraftKings, where he's just 3,000. He's averaged um, 2.8 catches and 37 yards the last four weeks. It's I mean, it's not necessarily great, but it's more than double or right around doubling, I guess you'd say, of Gerald Everett's value, 1.5 catches and 17 yards the last four weeks. So there's a little bit of separation there that I'm not sure was there earlier in the season. But Cam Akers, one of my favorite values this week, again, 1,000 surplus at DraftKings at just 5,700, 450 surplus in FanDuel at 7,000. He's had at least 22 touches in four of his last five games, and Daryl Henderson's going to miss this game still his own IR for his high ankle sprain, so another week absence there for him. I mentioned that the Packers have kind of, you know, climbed back to neutral 18th and run defense DVOA, but it kind of seems to me like 
it's really opponent driven where some of the weaker run defenses haven't taken or run, rushing offenses haven't been able to take advantage. And this also may be kind of a game script related thing where the teams that can run really well can keep things close and then keep running, whereas other teams that can't fall behind and then it becomes trouble. But some of the, you know, highlight running backs that have played the Packers in the second half of the season. Davin Cook had 30 carries and 163 yards. James Robinson, 23 and 109. Jonathan Taylor, 22 and 90. Derrick Henry, 23 and 98. David Montgomery, over two games, had 33, 172. Um, so it's like a lot of the guys that are the really premier fantasy options have done really well against the Packers defense. And I think that could be the case for Cam Akers. The Packers, even though they're neutral as a yards per carry um, booster, they do increase touchdowns per carry by 23%. That's sixth highest in football. So it could be a big game for Akers if the Rams have things play the way that they want it to play. And so honestly, you know, I'm all for stacking in a tournament setting, but I would say that you probably need to either choose your route. Choose the route where the Packers build a big lead and then go with the Rams passing game trying to catch up or choose the route where the Rams defense plays really well and that they can rely on Cam Akers. Akers and their defense make a good stack together kind of on that flip side of things. On the Packers side, Aaron Rodgers, a a bit of a shortfall, negative 400, negative 550 surpluses in DraftKings and FanDuel. The Rams are the number four DVA pass defense on the season, but number one in the second half of the year. They're the top two cutter of both passing yards and touchdowns per attempt. So I really would prefer not to use him. And I don't really want to use Devontae Adams either, as, as unfortunate as that is. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's going to probably double uh, guard him most of the game, allowed just 4.9 yards per target this season. Third lowest among quarterbacks that saw 50 or more targets. And I will say, interestingly, that Jair Alexander is number one in that respect at 3.4. But I mean, I think the Rams do a little bit more jet motion type of stuff. They give the ball uh, on carries to Robert Woods and such. So I, I don't think it's going to be as much as a as, as a one-on-one coverage type situation the way that Adams and Ramsey could be. Ramsey's really thrived in those situations in particular against DK Metcalf, one like one of the more physically opposing receivers in football. So I think that could be an issue for him there. You know, if I'm going to use an option in the passing game, it may be Robert Tanyan, who I see in particular in DraftKings as a bit of a surplus at just 4,200 in price tag. But I really don't love Tanyan's value. Uh, he scored 11 touchdowns this season versus 4.92 opportunity adjusted ones. That 6.08 touchdown surplus is the biggest among tight ends and more than double anybody else. And I mean, some of that is Aaron Rodgers, both passing a lot more near the goal line than a lot of quarterbacks and just being very effective in that. Uh, but I think, too, there's probably some luck that's boosting that. I think his touchdown luck could reach the end of things. It may be this week. The The Rams are a 10% cutter of touchdowns per target to running uh, to tight end. So it's not an ideal matchup. And then Aaron Jones, he lands it close to neutral. I mean, I have him neutral, 6,800 at DraftKings, negative 400 surplus of $7,800 price in FanDuel. Uh, the good news I would say is that he's, he's back taking a lot of the workload. AJ Dillon had that little bit of a blip of workload back, I think in week 16, but Jones 11 of 18 running back carries and five of five running back targets in week 17. The Rams are an awesome run defense. Like they are in defense in general, but they are 28th in DVOA allowed this receiving backs. So Jones could probably make it work as both a runner and receiver. And with the volume being heavy enough, he'll probably be okay for you in fantasy. Okay, next up, Ravens at Bills. This is the interesting one from a weather perspective. 30-degree kickoff temperature, and again, it's at night in Buffalo, so it's only going to get colder from there. Heavy winds are a real possibility here, and then probably more importantly, 60% chance of snow. That's up from earlier in the week. I mean, the original forecast said that the snow was probably going to happen a little bit earlier in the afternoon and then taper off by game time, but 
I think it looks like snow could be in the forecast here. And that's really interesting, both from a visual perspective and from a fantasy perspective. Josh Allen uh, ends up coming in as one of the biggest surpluses for me at quarterback. $900 surplus in DraftKings at 74, 950 in FanDuel at, at, at 88, which is interesting. Allen has almost always been a shortfall in value this season, priced up kind of in that Mahomes vicinity where, you know, those platforms, they price up the guys that you want to grab the most. So obviously, I mean, it's just kind of how it's going to work. But to me, this is interesting because I think the snow would affect Allen's game more than it would affect Lamar Jackson's game, even though Lamar Jackson's never played in snow and said as much. He's from Florida. Uh, but Allen had 11 carries last week and hadn't had six, uh, more than six in, in his previous five starts. And I think that happened both because we're at the playoffs and the Bills are going to be a little bit more, you know, more aggressive, less conservative in, in their ability to keep Allen, you know, upright and, and away from hits. I think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive with him in the playoffs, but possibly more importantly, he carried the ball more after Zach Moss got injured and he's now out for the rest of the playoffs. Allen may end up being, you know, the primary ball carrier uh, for the team, even with Devin Singletary in the mix. So I, I think to me, that's kind of boosting his value here. And even if the snow and potential wind uh, may erase a lot of Allen's fantasy value through the air, Allen could score on the ground and I think maintains a lot of his value. That said, Stephon Diggs, probably a player I would rather avoid this week as a deeper target, in particular in FanDuel where he's still 8,600. I see him as a big shortfall in value there. If I'm going to go with a receiver for the Bills, I would definitely prefer Cole Beasley, the slot receiver, 1050 surplus in DraftKings, 500 in FanDuel. Uh, he's a shallower option, which is good. I think that's probably better for the weather. That said, I will mention that the Ravens are a at least 15% cutter of yards per target and touchdowns per target to both slot receivers and number one receivers. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great matchup for either option, uh, especially if the weather turns bad. Uh, the, the snow... I probably should get a little bit more into it. Snow obviously is a big cutting cutter of passing efficiency, but it can increase run plays potentially. So I think Singletary ends up having a little bit of a surplus value, 400 in DraftKings and 100 in FanDuel. Although I don't think he's going to get as much of a boost in workload as you might expect, given Zach Moss's injury. Sean McDermott already announced that TJ Yeldon is going to play in Moss's place. And even though Yeldon has had an underwhelming career as a runner, he is a pretty good receiver. And so he may end up taking a little bit more of the receiving workload that has been the biggest boy of Singletary's fantasy value this season and leave him kind of in that appropriately priced range, even at forty five and fifty seven hundred dollars in the platforms. Yeah, I mentioned that Jackson's never played in snow, so really who knows how that could go for him. But if he does most of his work on the ground and fantasy scoring on the ground, I think that can work. I think Jackson ends up being a lot better value in FanDuel, where he's a one thousand surplus at eight thousand price. In DraftKings, he's only he's seventy six hundred, so just four hundred dollars less expensive. But those platforms, quarterbacks tend to be about fifteen hundred dollars in difference based on the different pricing structures. So I found that extremely interesting. I would rather, much rather roll with Jackson and Fanduel. Although if it snows, I don't know. I might kind of avoid them both both places. Uh, Marquise Brown again, a big probably loser if it snows as the deeper target. Mark Andrews is more interesting. Uh, in DraftKings, where he's just 5000 I think he's a big surplus there. Uh, Andrews has a 31.3% target share since week 14. That's the third highest among all players, and it's also higher than Marquise Brown's 30.4%, which is sixth highest among all players. No one else on the Ravens is above 10%, so I don't think you would even consider anybody else in the passing game there. But Andrews, again, kind of the Cole Beasley thought where he's the shallower target maybe makes a little bit more sense if there's wind and there's snow. Um, although, if, if that is the case, I think J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards become pretty interesting options. Uh, they Obviously, the Ravens are a run-heavy team, and they may get the ball a lot. 
if the Ravens end up running like 50 times or whatever the case may be. Dobbins has been the more productive player uh, of late. He scored a touchdown in each of his last six games, seven touchdowns total over that period. Although I'll mention that next to those seven rushing touchdowns, it's just been 3.5 opportunity just a touchdown. So he's a big surplus guy there. That's something that tends to regress back to neutral over time. So Maybe he's a little bit less lucky going forward, doesn't score quite as often as he has here. In that time, Gus Edwards has two rushing touchdowns, but that's fully supported by his 1.9 opportunity just to touchdowns. So I think these two backs are a little bit closer together than you might expect. They've actually been pretty close in workload over that stretch in time too. So as it shakes out where Dobbins is, is dramatically more expensive in the platforms, I see Edwards is close to a $500 surplus in the platforms where Dobbins is closer to a $500 shortfall in value. I would probably lean Edwards, although you could probably use either one, uh, especially if the, the, the weather turns. Okay, next up, Browns at Chiefs. 38-degree forecast here in moderate winds in Kansas City. Uh, Baker Mayfield ends up close to neutral, but a little bit surplus value where he's just 43 or 5300 in DraftKings. He's more than 2000 more expensive in FanDuel, so there's a little bit of a difference there. The Chiefs have the number 16 pass defense, but number 31 DVOA run defense. So while teams tend to fall behind against the Chiefs, one, I'll say, and this has been like an Aaron Schatz point all season, the Chiefs haven't been as dominant as you would expect blowing out a lot of these teams. So maybe this game will be closer than you would expect. But also with the worst run defense, teams tend to try to attack them on the ground. They're actually the number one cutter of pass plays per game. Uh, And given... Uh, so, so Mayfield may not be throwing as much as did you expect here. It certainly won't be the, the Browns' game plan. They're going to want to try to run the ball and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. So I don't, I don't love his value. Um, but I will mention that Mayfield is actually has a reverse split, scored 0.7 more fantasy points per game on the road than at home in his career. I think the fact that he plays up north in Cleveland where the conditions aren't always great means that it holds down sort of his average fantasy production because he's not getting the boosts of a, of a friendly home stadium or maybe like a dome. But it also means that he's probably going to play a little bit better on the road than you might expect given the average uh, shortfall people quarterbacks see when they're playing on the road. So I think that's an option. I think Jarvis Landry is an option, uh, in particular in DraftKings where he's 5,600. He has a 26.9% target share since week 12. That's 12th highest among all receivers. And it's an easy trend to overlook because he missed week 16 when uh, pretty much all the Browns receivers missed that week because of the weird COVID timing and issues. And I'll say with Austin Hooper, who I see as a really nice value in both platforms, 15 targets in week 16, I would say, hey, throw that out. That was the game when the Browns didn't have any wide receivers, so he was getting more work than he normally would. But he's had 16 targets combined in the two weeks since. He's more involved now than he's been at any point during the season for the Browns and I think is a, is a pretty nice option. But the running game, I think, is where you should probably focus on your attention here. As mentioned, teams try to attack the Chiefs on the ground where they're weaker um, in, in a way to keep the ball out of the offense's hands. And so another game where I think you should sort of take your broader opinion about the game into account here, just in terms of of value, uh, the projections prefer Kareem Hunt a little bit. I mean, they're both shortfalls in value, but they prefer Hunt relative to Chubb because I think the assumption in my projections is that the Chiefs are the better team. They'll probably build a lead and the Browns may have to rely a little bit more on their passing game and throwing the ball to their receiving back Kareem Hunt more than Nick Chubb. And that's kind of how that shakes out. But again, the Chiefs, if you can actually have some success on the ground, they're a, a booster of yards per carry by about 4%. I think Chubb could end up having like a 25 to 30 carry game if things play out the way that the Browns want it to. So in a tournament type setting, 
if you want to take the you know the counterplay and assume the upset here or assume that this game can can at least be close, Chubb could be a big part of that. And is, I think it's an interesting play in certain contexts in that respect. On the Chiefs side of things, there's there's little mystery here. Uh, you obviously would want to have Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey in your lineups, but they're all priced higher than you would even expect given how good they are. So it, it's difficult to stack in that respect. Uh, the Browns do have the number 25 DVOA pass defense versus number 19 DVOA run defense. So a little bit of an op- uh, opposite s- scenario um, where they are a big increaser of pass plays and decreaser of run plays. Probably good news for Mahomes, but I mean, I don't know if it really matters that much. He's a big defier of the typical trends you would see for quarterbacks. And in that respect, negative 2.4, so I'd say 2.4 more fantasy points scored on the road than at home in recent seasons. I think he tends to do really well when uh, when teams force him to pass. So, you know, we'll see what happens here in this game. But I'm not saying that Mahomes is a great option or a bad option either way. Uh, he's probably just going to be his excellent self as usual. With Tyreek Hill, I will point out that his 15 touchdowns are a big surplus over his 9.57 opportunity just to touchdowns this season. But I think a lot of that is just the sort of special connection he and Mahomes has. I would expect him to have a surplus pretty much all the time. I thought Sammy Watkins might end up being a nice value. Uh, he has missed a, the last couple of weeks, although I guess some of the other Chiefs have sat um, because of the bye and because of the, the clinching of home field, but Watkins has been sitting because of a calf injury and he was originally expected to be ready for the weekend, but I thought he might be out of sight, out of mind, but he ends up coming, I would say appropriately priced at 4,800 and 5,400 in the platforms. I would say he's a little bit closer to a value in FanDuel than anywhere else, but I'm probably just going to avoid him this week, given that there isn't much of a surplus there. Uh, The fact that he's missed practice on Wednesday. So I guess there's some concerns that he may not be fully healthy, even if he is active. That said, if Watkins does play, I would avoid Mecole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson because I think Watkins may be taking a little bit more of that shine than you might be thinking, given that Watkins, again, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, I think, is an interesting one, another player that's missed time of late, uh, but he did return to her limited practice on Wednesday. I think there's been some press that maybe he's healing more quickly from his ankle injury than than a lot of players do in his situation. So I think he may end up being a sneaky value here. The Browns are the number 23 defense versus receiving backs, so Ed- Edwards-Elaire could me- maybe have some uh, some production through the air. I see him as a slight surplus, um, assuming that he plays in both platforms. That said, Le'Veon Bell... Uh, he's priced as if Edwards Lear won't play uh, at 5,100 and 6,000 in the two platforms. And so if Edwards Lear does play, Bell is definitely a player to avoid, uh, overpriced by about 1,000 in both places, assuming that's how things shake out. And then let's finish this off with the Bucks versus Saints. Kind of like last week where so many of the other games are outside and in colder conditions and maybe either some, some bad weather. The fact that this game is in the Dome is a big boon for both quarterbacks and both passing games, and that kind of is taken to a bigger extreme given that these are the number one and number two DVOA run defenses in football and top four cutters of run plays in football. So expect both of these teams to pass a lot. I think there's going to be some trepidation about Tom Brady. He didn't play well in either game, and obviously it was a a huge blowout, 38-3. to uh, Saints win back in Week 9, their more re- recent game, and a game that people didn't expect to go that way. So I think that's mostly a fluke, and I get into great detail with that in the playoff preview of that game up on footballoutsiders.com, so check that out if you want more details. Uh, But I would just say with Brady, I think that his prices reflect the bad play that he's had in the two games during the regular season that I don't necessarily expect will continue. So he ends up being my number one quarterback value, over $1,000 surplus in both platforms. 
benefiting, I think, from extra passes because of the matchup and benefiting from the Dome. Dome's boost road quarterback yards per attempt and touchdowns per attempt by in that 5 to 10% range. So big boost, especially relative to the other games with the bad weather. So I'm happy to use him, and I'm happy to use Mike Evans, also more than $1,000 surplus in both platforms. I thought it was interesting. Chris Godwin uh, is more expensive in both the platforms than Evans is. And I think that's just because of the recent target trends. I mean, Godwin definitely gets targeted more than Evans does uh, with Antonio Brown now in the lineup as well. But that said, I think Evans is just by far the more likely player to score. On the season, 0.083 opportunity adjusted touchdowns per target. Godwin, 0.051. Not quite doubling, but pretty significant. And then I mentioned, too, that Evans for the season isn't the number one red zone option because that's Gronk. Gronk is at 0.102 opportunity adjusted touchdowns per target. But Gronk has stayed in the block on 48%, 49%, and 67% of his snaps the last three weeks. I think that's going to be a big part of the, the Bucks' strategy this week, playing a team that is the number one pressure bringer in football and a great blitzing team as well. And part of that, too, I think the recent spike last week probably reflects the fact that a longtime starter, a uh, full-season starter at guard, Alex Kappa, broke his ankle and is going to be out this game, and his backup has basically never played in the league. So I think it may be more important than ever to have Gronk in close to the line. Uh, it's kind of interesting to note that, that Cameron Braid has run more routes than Gronk has each of the last three weeks. And I would note that he's $700 less expensive than Gronk in both platforms. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think he would think he would be as likely to score as Gronk is, but I think Braid is definitely the relative value of the two. And then among the receivers, because of the higher price, Godwin, I see, is a shortfall in value, especially in FanDuel at 7500 I would start Evans and then Brown and then Godwin in that order if I were picking between the Bucks wide receivers. Uh, from a running back perspective, a Leonard Fournette, he comes in as a value for me, $1,200 surplus and 600 surplus in FanDuel, assuming that Ronald Jones misses this game. But Jones, I would note that he made a limited return to practice on Wednesday. If he plays, I would not start either option. I don't really want to – I mean, I'm not necessarily in love with starting either anyway, since the Saints are such a big cutter of run plays and rushing efficiency. But at least if Fournette is the only one of the two that plays, you know he's probably going to get the lion's share of the team's running back touches. And then finally with the Saints, Drew Brees, not quite the Brady extent, but 700 surplus in DraftKings, 300 surplus in FanDuel. He's averaged 3.8 more fantasy points per game uh, at home than on the road. Since 2017, that's the biggest split among the players uh, in the playoffs, and obviously he's getting the great dome conditions this weekend. Probably going to throw the ball a good amount. Uh, Michael Thomas ends up being a shortfall in value. I mean, he should boost in, in the same respects that Brees does because of the venue and such. And he did look healthy last weekend, but he still had just five, six, and seven targets in his three games with a healthy Drew Brees this season. The Saints have seemed to make a point of distributing the ball a little bit more to their secondary wide receivers this year than they had last year. And what I think is interesting here is that the Bucks cornerbacks get progressively dramatically worse uh, the further down the depth chart you get. Jamel Dean allowed 5.8 yards per target this season's sixth best among cornerbacks that are qualified. Carlton Davis, 7.6 yards per target. That's 40th. But Sean Murphy Bunting allowed 9.8 yards per target. That's 76th of just 79 qualified cornerbacks. So this may be a game where, you know, Thomas isn't the main guy. Evans is, or Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, they're the main guys, but getting a little bit less of the share than you would normally expect. And it could be a bigger day for some of the tertiary options like Traquan Smith and Deontay Harris. Harris is the more expensive of the two, which I get because he had seven targets last week and looked great. 
But I think he might have played that 24 offensive snaps because of the Traquan Smith injury. He missed the game, but he's been designated to return from injured reserve and is back practicing. So Smith could actually end up being a pretty sneaky value. He's just 3,300 and 4,800 in the platforms. I see him as a mild surplus in both, and he could be an interesting tournament-type option, although obviously kind of lesser down the totem pole. So not somebody you would necessarily want as a fixture in all of your lineups. For Jared Cook, I see him as a little bit of a surplus in both platforms. Tampa's very good on defense in a lot of respects, but they're 29th in DVOA allowed to tight ends. Devin White is making his return from missing a few games with COVID, but he's actually allowed nearly twice as many yards per target as Levante David, so I don't think that's necessarily a big boost um, for their, their defensive tight ends or running backs. That said, they are the number five DVOA defense against receiving running backs. Alvin Kamara, just 10 catches for 60 yards in the two games combined. So maybe not necessarily a great option for him. Um, I would prefer to probably use him in DraftKings versus FanDuel, though. They're the full PPR scoring of the two, so he's a little bit more value in that respect. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And then swing back next week when I'll do the same DFS Values podcast heading into the championship round. Look forward to talking to you then.